God has made certain promises to our children. Our children are safe in his care and now we make decisions based on wisdom and prudence but never based on fear for what can happen in the future. Welcome to the Christian Education Podcast. My name is Paul Matthews and today I've got a conversation with a good friend of mine, Jordan Scott. Now Jordan is someone I went to uni with, he's someone I've lived with and done a lot of ministry alongside and he's actually the first Christian parent that I'm interviewing as a parent. Of course there have been many Christian educators who I've interviewed on this podcast that have sent their children to Christian schools but that's never really been the focus of our discussion. So today I've brought Jordan on to talk about his decision to partner with a Christian school. Now, of course, I'm surrounded by parents who have made that decision and some parents who I admire immensely. The reason I've chosen to talk to Jordan today is because I've actually had a front row seat in watching him prayerfully consider where to send his children to school. And I've watched him actually go from a place where it was not on the cards at all to having enrolled his eldest son in a Christian school. Now, as always, I pray that this discussion is edifying to everyone who hears it, that you're all upbuilt and uplifted. But I pray especially for you, if you're considering where to send your son or daughter, I pray that God would actually use this discussion and Jordan's story to move you in the direction of Christian education. Well, Jordan Scott, welcome to the Christian Education Podcast. No place I'd rather be. What I want to say to start off with is that I know the Lord is smiling upon you right now. You're a window cleaner and we're in the busy morning slot. And instead of cleaning windows as you normally do, you've met me in a cafe to talk about Christian education. So know that both I and the Lord are very pleased with you, George. It's a pleasure. Now, I have in some ways anticipated my first question, but tell us about what you do with yourself. Uh, So I run a window cleaning business around uh, Hobart and the surrounding suburbs. That's pretty much it. Other than that, I, I try and stay engaged in ministry. I go to Hope Christian Centre and, uh, and minister in Glenorchy, in and around there. Would you believe me if I told you that the Christian Education Podcast from the inception was merely a vehicle to promote all clear window cleaning? <laughs> I would not. I would not imagine that you were that benevolent, no. <laughs> or that forward planning. So the reason I've got you here is because you're a parent in a Christian school. So we've had a bunch of educators on the podcast. Uh, next season, I've actually organised to have a few students on the podcast, but yet to have a parent. So you're the very first parent. So that's, I tell you, Geordie, that's got to feel good. It's an honour. Um, you did tell me that you'd had a lot of heavy hitters on the podcast and you needed something lighter. Um, <laughs> and so I'm happy to be all things to all men this morning. I needed someone with way less expertise. <laughs> if all that expertise was weighing Everyone was overqualified on this thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing about it is... Having an education podcast and talking only to educators would be a mistake um, because that's just, it's kind of one leg of the three-legged stool. Traditionally in Christian education, we've understood it's, it's the school, it's also the family and the church that all work together to form the son or daughter. Now, you've got two sons. Um, and what we're going to do now briefly is what writers might call some non-linear storytelling. So we're going to go from the present now and then we're going to go all the way back we're going to look at your education uh, and work our way slowly forward so I think sending your kids to a school is one of those decisions that you can't take ages to make you don't have an indefinite amount of time because 
time marches on. You've got to send your kids somewhere. They just get to that age. So tell us a bit about the school you've chosen to partner with for your son. So we're partnering with Northern Christian School. Um, it's out in Bridgewater. It's close to where we live. Once we had made the decision to educate our children in a Christian school, that was, that was a no-brainer. Um, and since we've been in and around that community for the last year, year and a half, just doing preparatory stuff, everything that we've seen has tended to confirm our decision there. Great principal, great staff, great community, um, great values. So we're really happy. I've heard you speak about that in really positive ways in the past. Tell me about some of the things that you're valuing about being a part of that community. Uh, I, I think the fact that it's actually a community. I think every, every school is going to um, make some claim about community, uh, but being in and around it, you can actually see that the, the teachers like one another, um, they respect the principal, they, they respect the upper staff. Uh, the students also, you know, it's, it's one of those schools in which everyone knows everyone's names, the students seem happy to be there. And when they're telling you about the mission and the vision there, it doesn't seem like it's, it's just words that have been formulated in a boardroom somewhere. It's something that these people um, live and breathe and believe. Vision and mission is one of those things that can just, people get fatigued by it. I saw something on Twitter the other day. It was a big sign, ironically laminated, but it said, our values are lived, not laminated, um, <laughs> which is important because for a lot of values, for a lot of vision and mission statements, that's about the termination of them. They get worked on with some big butcher's paper and a texter and then they get laminated and that's the last you hear. But you're saying being a part of this community, what they're saying about their community and what you're actually experiencing on the ground, it's the same thing. Yep, I'm highly allergic to that kind of values talk as well as I think, as you say, most people are. And so I, I didn't whiff any of that. It's, it's all flowing out from the scriptures and it's lived out in these people's personal lives outside of school and then it's brought into the school. Now, I've got to tell you, it, it does warm my heart, Geordie, hearing you talking about sending your son to a Christian school. Um, that wasn't always going to be the case. But before we get to that discussion, everyone's educational philosophy is shaped more than they realise, I think, by their own schooling. Um, it's something you're immersed in for a, a, over a decade. So tell us a little bit about uh, your schooling experience. Yeah, that's very perceptive. My... my um approach to schooling was entirely shaped by my own school experience, which was excellent. I went through the state school system, Taruna Primary, Taruna High, Hobart College, um, and my experience there was brilliant. I made great friends, I got a great education, um, and so when it came, uh, when I got married to my wife, uh, she had also gone through the state school system, also had a great experience. It just seemed obvious that that's what we would do, um, and there was probably all, also even a sense of pride about that in, in sort of saying that the state school system, it may be uh, cheaper, it may be more basic, but it's, it's brilliant and we both had great experiences there, so that's what we're going to do with our kids. And by all accounts, you were someone who, through your childhood, was actually taking your faith very seriously. I remember early in our friendship, I would hear you talk about how you used to perhaps verge on legalism, but you had your study Bible, that big, thick dog of a study Bible, you're reading four chapters every day, you're reading all the study notes, you're making your way through the scriptures pretty systematically. So your Christianity was something you took with the utmost importance. So how did you navigate your faith uh, and having that be a minority opinion in the school you're in? Yeah, to, to say I navigated it suggests a level of 
deliberateness that I did not have. Uh, I think as a, as a child, you actually don't necessarily think these things through too much. I was just in a state school system in which I didn't know any other believers and that was just the reality of it and I didn't really know any other way to approach it. In some ways, personality-wise, I'm custom designed for a state school because I am a contrarian. I come from a long line of contrarians and we love nothing more than holding a minority opinion um, uh, against you know, the pressures of the majority. And so I lent into it at every opportunity. We discussed faith a lot. I also was blessed to have a great group of friends that I'm still friends with who were very open to discussing these things. And while we, we would sling a lot of mud in those conversations, it never broke anything. There were, there were never any issues with our relationship uh, long-standing as a result. So I actually found that I flourished in that context. Uh, it required me to think more deeply about my faith. It required me to read more about what other people were thinking. Um, and so I did well in that context. Probably personality-wise, I was well-suited. I can attest, uh, no true words have been spoken that, that you are a contrarian. Uh, you are one of the greatest. They called John Calvin the, the devil's advocate. In fact, didn't they call him the devil's avocado? <laughs> they, yes, just avocado. They called him. Yeah, I think. It was, yeah, it was you that told me that. Yeah. Um, you were cut from a very, a very similar cloth. There's no doubt about that. Um, before we move on to what sort of brought you around, you were in this state where you were pretty happy with the state system. In fact, it was a lock. Before we talk about what brought you around, um, I know there are students who listen to this who are going to a state school. And I, uh, as much as I love Christian education, what I love more than that is I love Christians. And I want them to flourish no matter where they are. So having actually been through the system yourself, is there anything, any advice you could give to students who are in the state system to help them navigate that well? Yeah, I think the big piece is probably the identity one. I think you you don't want to feel as it, you don't want to focus on the pressure um, to the exclusion of what's actually inside you. If you've got the spirit inside you, you're going to be okay in a state school, in an independent school, in home school, in a Christian school. You'll be okay because God will hold on to you. And so I think you want to live from that. And then I think you just want to lean into the opportunities that present themselves in that context. Um, there's, there's no reason to be ashamed of your faith. It's actually something that can be very interesting to those uh, outside of you. It's something that I think people start to, even if they're uh, frustrated or don't understand the edges of it, um, if you're living it out consistently, there will be a certain core group of friends that will uh, respect your faith, I think. And so lean into it. Don't be afraid of, of how people are going to respond. And I think the integrity piece is really big here. So I never went to a state school, but what people don't realise about Christian schools is there's actually heaps of unbelievers there too. So most schools have a ratio that they're aiming for, but there'd always be, in most Christian schools, there'd always be around uh, between 20 and 60% non-Christians. So the integrity piece for students, full stop, but I'd say especially for students in a state school is important because you're there and you may be the only one who's heralding the gospel. You may be the only one who's taking this message um, your light on, on the hill might be the only light there. And so it's, it is going to be very easy uh, for you at times to capitulate on certain moral grounds or to join in certain activities which you might feel conflicted about or which don't align with your Christian principles. But on some level, the stakes are very high. There. Yes. There's, it, being the sole representative, the, the ambassador for Christianity to Hobart College, for example, 
Um, that's a weighty task that is really, really powerful. And it can be powerful in either direction. You know, it can do a, it can do a lot of good. Uh, it can also go a bit sideways. Yeah. And I can't say I've modelled that integrity perfectly or even well. Um, I was blessed to have a group of friends that didn't put a lot of peer pressure on me to do anything crazy. Um, and so that was helpful. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I think that's right. Taking the responsibility seriously is worthwhile, putting a lot of prayer into it, um, but also recognising that, again, by, by God's grace, um, through our imperfections, he continues to work. And a, a big part of my conversion was actually my lack of ability to live up to my faith in that context, as I witnessed my friends you know, living morally decent lives and myself falling short in certain ways. That actually led me to the grace of God. Uh, in the context of a non-Christian school, which was a great uh, experience as well. So you've gone through your schooling the whole way through. As we said, you're a part of the government school system. Government schools were a lock for your children, yep. for the next generation of Scots out there. However, somewhere along the line, you've changed your mind and you've decided that for the next generation of Scots, they're going to be educated within a Christian system, which is in some ways quite interesting to me because you, you're a mature Christian now, or at least you're well on your way, um, you're, you're working at it, you're, you're entrenched within your local church, you're active in evangelism, so from where you are right now, you can say, well, I'm, I'm happy with where I am spiritually, I, if I reverse engineer this process for the next generation, I'd be more than happy if my son turned out like me. Yep. You know, if my, if my son is a committed Christian, I'd be more than happy. But you've actually flipped the script a little bit. You've, you've chosen uh, private school over public, Christian school over government school. Yep. Tell us a little bit about what actually went on to change your mind. Yep. The, the short answer will be very gratifying to you. And that is that it was pretty much a 15-minute conversation that you and I had uh, on a passage of Scripture that convinced me, um, got me over the edge uh, with Christian education. There is a longer answer because there are certain attitudes that needed to shift in my own thinking for that conversation to be persuasive. One was theological. Um, so before my first child was born, I decided that I would, uh, would baptise him. And in that process, my view of uh, where my child stood before the Lord changed a lot. So I came from a context in which there was really a, a binary. Um, if you profess faith, you're a Christian. If you don't profess faith, you're not a Christian. And therefore, children don't come out professing faith. You shouldn't think of them as Christians. And I, I internalise that probably more than most. I know people who don't go that far with it. But for me, I said, OK, so my child is a non-Christian unless they declare otherwise. And what could be more natural than sending a non-Christian to a non-Christian school? That, that makes perfect sense. And I would almost have thought, I did think, that to send my child to a Christian school would be a kind of unfair indoctrination. They're not yet a believer. So why am I surrounding them with all of this belief? Um, so that was a the theological piece. And then a, a couple of attitudes needed to shift as well, uh, just toward parenting in general. Uh, the first is something that you picked up on which is I think a lot of parents uh, can try and basically recapitulate their their whole childhood through their their child especially if they've had a, a good childhood some people try and avoid it like the plague for me I thought everything went so well for me I basically just want my children to live 
my life again. But that, that's completely outside of my control, I recognised. I could put my children in the same school I went to. I couldn't guarantee that they would have the teachers I would have, the peer group that I had, that they would make the kind of friends that I have. And so really I have to lay aside that desire to micromanage my children. Um, the other is a related sort of attitude, which was just around fear. I think on both sides of this question, fear can play in more than we think. So there are those that will send their children to Christian schools because of fear of what will happen in the state school, they're gonna lose their faith. But there's also, and this is spoken about a little less, for those on the other side, there's also fear that can play in. And for me, the fear was, if I send my kids to a Christian school, they're gonna be wrapped in cotton wool, they're not gonna understand the real world. Um, and what I recognized on that point was that outside of fear of God, Fear actually has no place in Christian decision-making whatsoever. And so you've got to lay that aside. And that really got me back to the place where I had a blank slate. Okay, I'm not trying to recapitulate my childhood. I'm not living out of fear. I do see my child as a Christian. Now, what are the principles um, that will guide me in terms of where I send my child to school? And that prepared me really for the conversation that you and I had. Let's pick up on that Christian school indoctrination thread, because that's a really interesting one. And what it presupposes, right down to the core, is that when you go to a Christian school, you've got a certain set of worldview assumptions. Um, Christ is Lord. He's Lord over everything. History, geography, maths, and the way that we do all those disciplines is shaped by the Lordship of Christ. So it, it can seem as if we're shoehorning in theology where it doesn't belong. And then on the, on the other hand, you've got a, a government school, a state school, and they're just teaching the facts, quote unquote. You know, they're, they're just getting on with the business of teaching and they're not mixing in this metaphysical idea with their teaching. One of the big ideas that won me over to Christian education was you and I were actually at a seminar run by my dad, of all people. He was doing a seminar on Christian education. At the time, he was a CEO of Christian Schools Tasmania. Um, and what he did was he brought out the Melbourne Declaration, which is a really foundational document in Australian educational philosophy. And he was actually just tracing out the different worldview implications within this document. Okay, we want our, our students to be productive economic citizens. Uh, we want their citizenship to be something that benefits the overall Australian GDP. And what he did in the course of that meeting was just convince us that every single approach to education is deeply enmeshed within a certain set of assumptions. A certain set of not argued for but argued from assumptions. So it's not as if you've got some schools which are teaching through a, a worldview and some schools which are giving the bare naked facts. Actually, no matter where you send your son or daughter, there is a species of doctrine there and that could be argued is indoctrination. So you come down to this inescapable principle that I've talked about before. It's not a matter of whether but which? It's not a matter of whether your son or daughter will receive a, an education through a specific worldview, but which worldview will they be saturated with during their education? Yeah, and I think that's, that's right. And that means that as a parent, you can't abdicate responsibility. You actually have to recognise, I'm choosing here between two different options in terms of worldview. That's not to suggest that in any school, there's a monolithic worldview. How well the Melbourne Declaration actually filters down to individual teachers, I'm not sure. Um, but it is to say um, th there will be a worldview taught uh, and, and there is no neutrality ultimately.
you talked also about not making decisions from fear. And you're absolutely right. That sword cuts in both directions. So if you send your child to a state school or to a Christian school out of a motivation of fear, I actually don't think that's something that the Lord is pleased with. It can become easy for parents to send their kids to a Christian school and what they're doing is that they don't love what they're running towards, as one pastor has used the metaphor, they don't love what they're running towards, they hate what they're running away from. Yes. Um, and that's, there's a fear there, there's uh, perhaps a lack of trust, a lack of faith, that's just not healthy for the Christian. So what you're saying is you, you ruled out fear when it came to deciding where you were going to send your sons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there was a, now this is going to be very niche, there was a book title of a book that I never read that was referenced uh, by David Jones in a sermon, uh, a book about um, infant baptism called Raising Your Children in Faith, Not Fear. And that's essentially the worldview that, that I embraced and the approach that I embraced with my children. That's not to say I don't wrestle with that at all. I think fear is a very insidious thing that can play in at multiple levels. Um, but ultimately, our orientation as Christian parents is to should be to recognize um, God has made certain promises to our children and our children are safe in his care and now we make decisions based on wisdom and prudence but never based on fear um, for what can happen in the future. So let's move on to the third reason you gave Geordie for choosing a Christian school to partner with and that was actually a passage of scripture. Now to sort of lay the foundation for this, as Christians we believe that the Bible is God's word. It is the ultimate rule for faith and life and decision making. And so we don't necessarily rest on our own understanding. We always go back to what do the scriptures say? And that's something that you've modeled to me really well in our friendship thus far. What was the passage that got you? So it was 2 Corinthians 6 um, and you were preaching on it. <clears throat> and I'm not sure whether this was a a devious trick from you, uh, but you asked me for some advice on application of the passage. Uh, the, the passage is really about not being unequally yoked with unbelievers, what partnership does light have with darkness, and so on. And the common application is, don't get married to an unbeliever, um, which I think is legitimate. And then outside of that, um, maybe something about business dealings. You wanted to apply it to Christian education and basically say that Christian schooling is a partnership between school and family. Um, why would you partner with unbelievers? Why would you be unequally yoked in that way? My temptation, again, contrarian, was to disagree with that. But as I considered the passage itself, I found it to be entirely fitting um, that that would be an application. And really for me, it came down to a question of, is schooling a partnership? I think the paradigm I had probably had in mind before that was basically that a school is a microcosm of, of real life. Um, and so there's a cross-section of the community that should be represented there. And your child goes into that school and prepares for what life is like on the outside. But that wasn't a biblical assumption. That was just something that I had inherited. Um, but really, biblically, it's, it's hard to argue with the idea that it is the parent's job to educate the children. And they can then choose to partner with the school in that process should they want to. And then when it comes to a question of who you partner with, well, the, the image gives it to you. Do you put um, 
two oxen in a yoke that are pulling in different directions. No, you don't. And so am I, as someone who wants to form my children um, in the Christian faith and see them grow up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, am I going to then partner with a school that does not have that intention for them at all and might even have a contrary one? Um, I'm not. And so at the end of the day, uh, I was convinced by that. My wife and I then had um, a series of discussions on that point. Um, and in the end, uh, we, we both felt really good about, on biblical grounds, uh, about sending our children to Christian schools. It's a funny passage, the 2 Corinthians 6 passage, because it has, as you said, been so often applied to marriage. And you take a look at the passage and you go, boy, oh boy, there's actually nothing here that makes me think that this is about marriage. It's what uh, theologians have called a discrete unit within the text, meaning it doesn't necessarily flow on from what came before it and doesn't necessarily lead to what comes after it. It's sort of this parenthesis with a principle in the mix. And it is about partnership, as you said. That is what's so hard to escape in the passage, and that's what I was really wrestling with, is that it's not applied in any particular direction. As you say, it's a text that lays down a principle for all of life. In all of your partnerships, um, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And so if anything is a partnership, this text applies. And it's interesting to think about the scale of the partnership. So you're talking about sending your son or daughter to be educated by an institution maybe six and a half hours a day for perhaps 14 years. By the time you do the numbers on that, that's a 15 to 20,000 hour partnership. And it's, and it's not as if it's for anything trivial either. So the, the sheer amount of time is huge, but what's at stake? Well, it's your son or daughter, it's your child. That's the thing that you're uh, dealing with here. That's, it's your child's character, it's your child's development. So you're talking a huge partnership in terms of number of hours. You're talking huge in terms of what's at stake. And we talked earlier about how every school has certain worldview assumptions. It's going for, every school is going for a specific kind of formation. Now that will be different depending on the school. But the question I often like to ask parents is, if that school, say you send your son or daughter to a school and they're just the greater school. They do everything exactly as it says on the packet and your son or daughter turns out exactly like they want them to. For you then, is that the best case scenario or is that your worst nightmare? If the institution you're sending your son or daughter to um, managed to do the perfect job of educating your child so they, they turned out exactly as the school wanted them to, are they going to become someone who thinks Christianity is perhaps a, a really nice, well-meaning religion, but it's just as good or valid as any other number of religions that one could choose, or in fact, no religion, or a religion of your own making? Or are they going to come out thinking Christ is king? One would be a terrible, terrible thing for the Christian parent to have in their son or daughter. The other would be your best case scenario. Yeah, I think sometimes the assumption of incompetence is sort of built into the way we process these things. Well, they're not going to attain to that end anyway, so whatever, I'll put my kid in that school. That is the right way to think about it, I think. There's another passage that was really foundational in my thinking of Christian education, and it's in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And if you do any reading on Christian ed, this will come through over and over and over again. In fact, I was recently hearing from the deputy principal at Calvin how when 
Calvin was just an idea in the mind of its founders. And of course, Calvin Christian School was founded and then a nationwide network of Christian schools sprung from this school here in Kingston. Uh, when it was first being founded, they gathered together a bunch of old duchies in a hall in Kingston. And the convener of that meeting led a devotion to start off the first ever meeting. And it was from this passage in Deuteronomy 6. This is the paradigmatic framing passage when it comes to education. And it says, he, he says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Uh, very familiar words for any Christian. Jesus himself in the Gospel of Matthew says, that's the most important commandment. That's the big dog. Um, what people often don't realize is that God as a teacher gives us not only the lesson content, but what educators would call the pedagogy as well. Pedagogy is how you teach, how you teach the content. God in this passage, when dealing with the most important commandment in all of scripture, gives us not only the content, but also the pedagogy, right? He says, and these words that I command you this day shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. There's that idea there that education here is coming through saturation. This godly instruction is meant to be permeating every aspect of the child's life. That's the parental responsibility. Now, as you've said already, you've got this idea of partnership. So you, for whatever reason, I mean, you're out cleaning windows, right? So you actually can't drag your kid along and tell them what's going on all the time. Um, but God still holds you responsible for making sure that your children are saturated with godly instruction. It's not, it's not only the most important commandment, it's, it's how the commandment is taught. You have to saturate your child's life with it. Um, and you've chosen to school, thankfully, that will allow you to keep that commandment before God. Is that something that you've been cognizant of as you've embarked on this Christian education journey? Yeah, it is. It's something that I became cognizant of. As I said, I'd started from this fear of indoctrination of my children. I'd come around to the idea that actually I am to raise my children uh, not as non-Christians to be evangelized, uh, but as Ephesians puts it, I'm to raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so when we first did the tour at Northern Christian School and Bethany, the principal there, uh, was talking about their vision, it fit like a hand in, in a glove. Um, that they are here to support the parents in their role to raise their children uh, in the Lord. So by God's grace, you've examined the scriptures and those two high points, the sort of 2 Corinthians 6, Deuteronomy 6, they were big in your decision making. That said, there are many Christians out there who remain utterly unconvinced with Christian schooling. And later on in next season of the podcast, we're going to do a sort of um, why would you not send your kid to a Christian school? We're going to look at some of the common objections to sending them there. So we don't need to go through them exhaustively now. But what would you say to the parents out there who are currently weighing up the options and not sold in either direction? I'd say get your assumptions as best as you can from the scripture. Make sure whatever assumptions you're bringing to the table are scriptural ones. I think a lot of people bring in um, baggage from their own childhood and their own upbringing, good or bad. And really we need to see education like we see any other decision in the Christian faith, which is that the Bible speaks to these things. 
and we need to lay aside our own experiences and our own assumptions and, um, and come to the scriptures afresh on this topic. And so I'd say, um, look at how, for example, the New Testament describes children. Um, try and embrace the mindset that God has toward your children. And in a sense, uh, a lot then of your decision making will flow from that fountain. But then, as you've pointed out, and, and this is something that I did not recognize at all um, before having these sorts of conversations with you, the Bible really speaks to education as well. It talks a lot about it. And the Christian faith is a teaching faith, is an educating faith. And so there are many passages on that if you're willing to broaden your horizons from the New to the Old Testament especially. Um, and so do a diligent search of the scriptures and, and I think that there is enough clarity there to recognize what God would have you do with your own children. Before we wrap up, let me tell you about one of the big paradigm shifts for me in my thinking of Christian education. As I said, my, my dad's a Christian educator, my brothers are Christian educators. It was just the air I was breathing, but I became a, a real advocate when I realized this thing, is that education is discipleship. We've talked about this before. Uh, it's your duty to disciple your kids. And this is where a lot of Christians, I think, just get caught up in terminology. If they talk about education, it's a sort of morally neutral, anyone can do it business. You talk about discipleship and all of a sudden the bar gets raised. All of a sudden you're going to be pretty selective about who you want discipling your children. But the two are actually one, aren't they? The, the two are one. Education is discipleship. Discipleship is, is telling someone about the world and how to live in it. That's really what education is. So the question is not, who do I want educating my son and daughters? It's, who do I want discipling my children? That's the question. And so a lot of the, a lot of the common objections, oh, you know, they'll be a great witness in their environment or um, oh, it, it's going to cost too much, all these sorts of things, they really start to recede into the background when you ask the big question, who do I want discipling my son or daughter? Right? If I'm not going to do it all the time, someone is, that's inescapable. Who's it going to be? And you've made the decision, actually, my sons are going to be discipled by Christians. And I think once you think about it like that, it's a bit of a no-brainer. It makes perfect sense, yeah. Well, Jordan, it's been absolutely fantastic having the very first parent on the Christian Education Podcast. Uh, thank you for your time, and I wish you all the best as you continue to partner with your school in the discipline and instruction of your sons. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Paul.